Hi, you're listening to episode 34 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Thursday, August 8th, which is like two and a half mo- months-ish. <laughs> After our last, I mean, it's been a while. Three and a half months, maybe? I can't do the math for right the, now. It's the end of April. <laughs> we tried month. really hard. Literally, we've scheduled this every week, and then one of us is like, Something is happening. I can't. And so that's why we're finally getting this done. And we would really, like, our intention is to, like, record more regularly. It's just both of us now have just, there's a lot going on, which is good. Speaking it's of a great. lot going on. And, yeah. So speaking of a lot going on, uh, my book came out. Yay! Which is really exciting. Um, the Spider-Man book. So Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. Uh, came out in June, and so my summer has kind of been like promoting that at various conferences and conventions, and it's been really weird and cool, like being on this side of things, you yeah. know, getting to chat with fans and and have people come up and be excited about reading something that I wrote has been really cool. Um, I also got to meet the cast of the movie, mm-hmm. which was. Mm-hmm. Banana pants. You did the and, press and junket in London. I, I did the press junket in London. Um, I did get to make Jake Gyllenhaal laugh, both intentionally and unintentionally, which was really exciting and also really awkward. Um, <laughs> What's it been like with people? Because people have been sending you pictures of their kids enjoying the book, yes. right? Yes. Oh, it's so cute. And, you know, this book is for, like, I love that everybody's reading it, but this book is for 8 to 12-year-olds, and I was very deliberate in the way that I wrote it that it was for 8 to 12-year-olds. And so people, like, have been messaging me, like, they've read it, their kids have read it multiple times, they're like, oh, my God, why did you write this book? Like, he won't stop reading it. Yes! (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it's really cool, and, and, you know, it's just kind of, this bizarre experience and so like thanks to everyone who supported it and and tweeted about it and was and bought it and all of those things like I imagine like I'll be at New York Comic Con if I didn't see it San Diego I'll be at New York and maybe doing something I'll know more soon um and then the other thing which is kind of tied into both of us working on something are are these anthologies so I one announced today yeah, one announced today, which is Battle of the Bands. It's it's our, our good, good friend Eric Smith and uh, another YA author, Lauren Gabaldi, are editing a book that is all all takes place on the night of a Battle of the Bands. So all the characters are interlocking, like the story is interlocking. And one of the stories, if, if you grew up in the early, like if you kind of came of age in the early aughts, like, like we did, and we're into like the emo or like pop punk scene. One of the stories is by the lead singer of Motion City Soundtrack, <laughs> which it's like, what? <laughs> it's so weird. And I think Preeti mentioned that one of the stories is also by her. Yes, I wrote one of the stories. <laughs> well, Sorry. She, the reason we're talking about it, not that we wouldn't be talking about it if she wasn't, because Eric has the best ideas. For anthologies yes. like they're just so good and he's always like i'm not gonna do another anthology i'm like but you will because you have such good ideas for them but yes also preeti is writing a story for it speaking of other good ideas for other good anthologies um so i guess um 
I guess it's been a couple months now, but my, um, yeah, it was like late June, I guess, or early July sometime. I don't know. Time is just a mess. Um, I'm co-editing an anthology with our good friend, um, Jen Northington, and it's called Swordstone Table, and it's a retelling of King Arthur myths. And like, so it's like, you know, genre bending, race bending. We want like LGBTQ plus stories, you know, like. Just just a very inclusive anthology, like people who love the, this myth but haven't been able to see themselves in the stories. Um, so retell a story is kind of what we're asking people to do. So we've got a really cool list of contributors, one of which is Brady. Yep, I have a story in this one too. Yeah. Um, but we've also got like um, Ken Liu, Sarah McLean, Alex Chi. Um, We've got just an incredible list of contributors. And, a couple and, of, I know. And um, Anthony Rapp. <laughs> My voice got really, really squeaky when I just said that because I'm very, very <laughs> excited that he's going to be making his fiction debut in our anthology. So I'm really excited um, to see what, you know. Um, so and there's a real a couple of more contributors we haven't announced yet that we haven't quite figured out how we're, we're just basically get, waiting at this point to get all the paperwork signed and done so we can like do an official announcement but yeah it's really exciting it's weird as you said to be on this side of it yeah it's strange right to be yeah. all of a sudden you're on the creative side and not on the like kind of distro or like marketing yeah. or promotion like not that you're not going to be doing that because but, so much of this is like self-promo and yeah putting yourself out there but it's such a good idea I'm like so excited to be a part of it and I will say that at comic-con I was on a panel and they asked us what were some exciting things that we're working on and I mentioned this in a room full of people and the like just sheer excitement that rippled across the crowd was so cool yes like people being like oh king arthur you say like merlin people are like i see so many people being like "Ugh, king arthur like another remake but i'm like but it's the thing where we remade it with white dudes a million times like let's put a diverse spin on this and then it's something fresh and new and by the way i will watch and read every like white dude like reboot of king arthur because i just i love the myth so much but like it's not it's like that thing, and I'm not going to go into this all, where people say, like, chosen one trope is too overdone, but, like, we're just getting to the point where we're seeing uh, people of color and LGBTQ, LGBTQ kids and all that as chosen ones. So, no, it's not overdone. It's not over. We get to be a part of this, yes. too. And so that's why I'm so excited about this anthology. It's uh, such a great idea. Um, Jen, actually, it was Jen's idea. And she was like, I need help with co-editing. I was like, I can make things happen. I'm bad at ideas, but I'm good at the making things happen <laughs> part. So, like, putting our kind of strengths together has been a really fun experience. And so people have actually already been asking me, who aren't familiar with how the book industry works, when it's coming out and ha <laughs> so the <laughs> announcement is like basically means it's been acquired by a publisher so that means vintage which is a penguin random house imprint has acquired it um and so it's gonna probably be two years before we have really yeah. even a like a review copy to show send people but, so over probably two plus years yeah my my favorite thing about this is i've already written my story yes <laughs> so she's like i'm just like you know i'm just you know, sitting back and enjoying the ride now, which is nice. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a lot of personal news, but a lot it's, of been, personal it's, news. Been, it's been really exciting. 
Oh, my baby's like nine months old now. So that's not. He's and so the cute. cutest. He's so cute. Um, so let's move on to like objectively. Objective news is not about ourselves, except some of this is still about it's ourselves. A, it, is, it's, it is still about us just because we're so excited about it. Yes. And we just like to talk about things that we love. Um, so, so much, so much, so much news came out of yeah. San Diego. Yeah, so you were at San Diego. I was, and it was like hard to keep up with it while I was there. Um, but some some of the stuff that dropped, so the Picard trailer dropped. Oh which, my God. Please, begin. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not going to do it all on the podcast, just because this is, it's a lot, it's a lot, but it's a lot of like theorizing, and we're not quite sure, and we have some tidbits. So like basically... The trailer was really exciting, and the SDCC panel was really exciting. I think the main reason it's ex- it's exciting is because while the show isn't, I don't think, going to be driven by nostalgia, the nostalgic, like, the people who are coming back are really setting the tone and the, uh, kind of hinting at what the story is going to be about. Like, I'm really excited for the return of uh, Jonathan Frakes as yeah. Will Riker and Marina Sirtis as... Um, Deanna Troy, and while we don't know what they're, where they are 20 years later, we know, like, Frakes has already confirmed that they're still together. They're still a couple, like, they're still married. So, like, you know, it's, that's really, just that, just that tidbit, like, makes me teary because it's really nice to know. But, you know, you know, so you, like, I mean, it's Star Trek, so there's obviously going to be a moral dilemma, but these two have always kind of been Picard's conscience, Riker and Troy, and a lot of, like, you know, so you know there's going to be a lot of, like, introspection because of those. Uh, and then Brent Spiner's coming back as Data, which is yes! super interesting because he actually died in the, at the end of the last movie. So the question is, how is he coming back? Um, is he, like, the, so there was a... Don't watch Nemesis if you haven't watched it. I have a post coming out on Sci-Fi and Girls in the next couple of weeks that will tell you what you need to know. I mean, unless you want to. It's just not the best movie, objectively. <laughs> um, but one of the things that happens is they find a second android that was like an early prototype of Data. And so he looks exactly like Data. And before Data died, he downloaded all of his memories into this android called B4. And so it's possible that like B4 has been upgraded to become the new Data or... Uh, speculation is that because Spiner appears to be wearing an old uniform and maybe a flashback or a hologram, like, we don't know. But that means that Data's somehow important to the story because they're not going to put, you know, they're not going to put him in this trailer if... So, and then there's also cameo, or there was also in the trailer Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan is Seven of Nine, and Hugh, oh, Hugh wasn't in the trailer, but he, Jonathan Del Arco is confirmed to come back as Hugh of Borg. Um, so there's going to be a Borg component. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff. So the central storyline is basically Picard is trying to, retired from Starfleet, but now this young woman has come to him and asked for his protection and answers. So the question is, who is she? Is she Data's daughter 2.0, Lal, who, um, it was from the Next Gen episode, The Offspring. Is she some sort of Borg something? Is she his, like, biological like we don't know we don't know who she is so yeah that was a lot i don't think it I was bre- a lot i don't think i breathed the entire time no. i just said that but there's a lot i'm really excited can you tell i'm excited i'm like vibrating <laughs> with excitement i like email every time anything drops about the show i email the publicists and be like please put aside a patrick stewart interview for me and i don't know if they're, <laughs> i don't know if they're going to but like they literally, better 
I email them every time. And it's like, I would like to re-re-reiterate my request for a Patrick Stewart interview. And also Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sardis and every other, anybody, yeah, like any, anybody, like... <laughs> it's so good. I'm so excited. The tidbits they've shown us are really interesting and just discovery has been so good in such a different way. And I'm so I'm super excited to kind of now do this revisiting, like revisiting of the old characters we love. It does look so good. Like even as you know, next gen is the one that I'm most familiar with yeah. of all of the Star Treks. And it was really exciting just to, to just hear the music yeah. See Patrick Stewart back kind of in his element of the Trek universe like that was really really exciting even as a kind of a casual fan yeah and I, that's why I'm hoping because Picard with the exception of like the, f- from the post original series era Picard is basically the most recognizable like he is this if you're if you're not about like Kirk and Spock he is the most recognizable and well-known Star Trek character yeah, from the agreed. entire franchise. So it's really smart to put him in this role to where it could still be for casual fans, like even though it's like a continuation, it could still be for casual fans, A. And then B, I'm hoping that while it will go it does seem like it will go into the mythology of the show and the franchise, I'm hoping that we can just do like a like a here's what you need to know to understand what's going on type post and then that'll be enough to like get people up to speed like this is the background you know or what you can watch this these three episodes and learn what you need to know i'm hoping it's not i really like as a fan want it to like there to be like easter eggs and stuff but i don't want it to be so much that people can't just sit down and watch it you know what i mean yeah yeah because i want it to be like i'm my big thing is i want this especially this show to be for everyone. You want it to be accessible. I that do. makes sense. I do. I do. Um, the other big stuff out of Comic-Con, I would say is arguably the, the Marvel Gosh. Hall H announcements of which I there honestly, were so many. I, I just like, I couldn't take it. Like it was like inundated. Like I was inundated. It was too much. Like I was just like, I'm really excited about the announcements they made, but I was also like, I would have much preferred you, like, parcel these out. Well, what's bananas is that, so D23 is in about two, two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. three weeks, something like that. And I feel like we're going to get a ton of Star yeah, Wars we're gonna get stuff. A, I think so. I think they're saving because, Star Wars for D23. Yeah, because all of, this, all of the Disney, the big Disney news at Comic-Con was Marvel. And this Hall H, like, I was not in Hall H. You could not pay me enough to wait in line to get into that room but I was following along kind of on Twitter and that kind of stuff and it was like announcement 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 yeah. announcement a lot of which was like really exciting like you know Taika Waititi coming Thor back to, for Thor oh my god Thor 4 do it for Thor yeah um and having Natalie Portman back as Jane and and getting like Thor, Jane Thor now which is presumably what we're gonna do um as but a diehard I, fan of thor the lost world or the dark <laughs> world i just want to say i'm here for this for natalie portman back i mean it's it's i feel like they did her so dirty they in did. that franchise i feel that, like the first movie was actually was like you know this like smart sharp scientist yeah. and then the second movie mm-hmm. mm, uh and i was so, just not surprised she didn't come back for ragnarok she said, "I like she said she wasn't going to do it, and so I think that they must have. It must be a good 
yeah a good role for her to have returned which i'm very excited about um but some of the most exciting news is that we're actually getting a south asian in the mcu yeah who knew like we're 23 movies in Right? Right. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani is going to be in The Eternals, yeah, which yeah. it's super exciting. Like, I cannot believe it took over a decade to yeah. get there. But, you know, nice, here we really are. Nice. I mean, it is what it is. There's also, this isn't an excuse by any stretch, but a lot of what has come previously was under the direction of Ike Perlmutter, who is yes. Yes. Um, Marvel's, like, CEO, I guess. And he's just super... Not great. Yeah, I'm just, you can Google it if you want to know. There's plenty on him. He's, but he has been against diversity, baby, basically. Yep. And so now they're kind of out from under his auspices and are able to, like, do more of what um, they want. And so that's why, like, the slate of these movies was is so diverse. Yep. Um, you know, and there's always more they can do. But this is a good, it's a good start. It is a good start. Um, between especially with what has considering what has come before. Mm-hmm. Because like having Kumail and having it's in the same movie is Kumail and Brian T. Henry and um, I can like see the cast Salma Hayek. Mm-hmm. Like I can see the casting in my head, and it's it's a lot of people of color. And then of course Simu Liu coming out as Shang Chi. Yes, which is. I love him. I love Kim's convenience. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the show or not, yeah, but yes. it's. It's amazing. It's so funny. It's it's so such a wonderful thing to see to like when Simu so came out. It was like it. yes, he's awesome. He's like so thrilled and so ready to like hang and be a part of this universe. And ba- Valkyrie is, I believe, officially confirmed as gay. Well, she's confirmed as bi. bi in off off screen mm-hmm. by Taika. Like right. that, that but scene I mean- got cut. But I think we're going to be getting, I I can't remember if they've confirmed it 100%, but from the tone of what Tessa Thompson said, which she was looking for her queen yes. um, as the king of Asgard, of New Asgard, I think that's... We're going to get some confirmation. I think we're going to get some on-screen. Long overdue. Like, knock on wood. Overall, it was it was oh, and Mahershala Ali is Blade. Oh of course. yeah, like, yeah, that's amazing. Even? Like, like amazing. see, this is what we're talking about. It was like announcement, announcement. Yeah, announcement, that's what like, and that's why I, that's why I almost don't like it because normally I'd want to dive into it, each of these and unpack and theorize, but like instead I like just kind of like put my hands up and step away because I'm like overload. Yeah, like, it's very, very overwhelming. Um, I was also I just so I was there for San Diego, but I spent about a month. I was traveling for like six weeks. Um, but I spent about a month in LA because I was like, well, I'm going out there. I can work from anywhere. Uh, and one of the things I did there was I went to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, I was like, how was it? And like, she was like, "Mm." I was like, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, and I can't help but compare it to Harry Potter, like the Harry Potter world. Which Harry Potter has the benefit of having a world to build into, whereas the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is for this new land, Batuu, and we don't 
the the Zoraida's Zoraida Cordova has a book that's coming out or just, just came, came out came actually out, sorry yeah. this week. Um, about... Dawson has one that's set in there as well. At yeah, the end of the so month. so like the world is just they're kind of parceling out the information and, about oh, um, Thrawn. Sorry, the second Thrawn book was partially set there, I believe, if I remember correctly. So it's 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 a little bit the information is a little bit more scattered in terms of what this space is. So it's very immersive, which is really cool. Like I went and built a lightsaber, and that was really really fun and exciting and like expensive, <laughs> but it was cool because you go in and it's like this this experience with like 12 other people and you hear voices of characters that you may not expect to hear. Um, I did the millennium Falcon ride smugglers run. And even that is very cool. Cause you get to like walking into the millennium Falcon was amazing. Yeah. Like that was a moment where you were like, Holy crap, this is so cool. But I do think once they open up, cause the park's not fully opened yet. Uh, once they open up the big ride, which yeah, is Rise, Rise, of Rise of the right? yeah Rise of the Resistance, which I have heard is going to be like 17 minutes long, which is a long ride. I'm all for it. I yeah. freaking love theme parks. Like I'm super into it. But it's I think once that opens, once the Florida version opens, that will be like truly immersive, where you are part of a storyline. I think mm-hmm. that's gonna be like that's gonna bring it to another level. And the like hotel right now, opens and like you can yeah. have the full experience. Yeah, right now it feels very, like, kind of building. Yeah, right. My impression from what I've read has been there's a lot of shopping to do, but other than that, yes. there's not much to do. Like, you, if yeah. you want to spend money, there's a lot of merch to buy, but, like, it's, like, a ridiculous way to get into the cantina. There's only one ride. Yeah, it's, it's like, the cantina was also, again, like, a cool experience when we got in, and you know, stormtroopers are walking around, Kylo Ren's walking around, like Chewie. Like, it's immersive in that way, but mm-hmm. you're right. There's not really much to do yet, un- except for, like, shopping and then go on this ride. And do you think that'll so, change once more I do. happens? I think that'll change. I think once they figure out the storyline aspect of it, that's going to yeah. change. Because so much of it is just being immersed in the world. Like, it's the same thing as the Harry Potter land, yeah. where everybody around you is in character, like, which I'm very awkward about. But, like, you know, we had stormtroopers like engage with us and they kind of like burned the other person I was with, which is funny. You know, like they're asking, like, have you seen the rebel spy and things like that? So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Do you um, like because it was interesting. Disney did their earnings report this week and the revenue is down. And part of that is because yeah. attendance hasn't been as high as I think they thought it would be or and people are saying, is it yeah. a failure? And I'm like, well, I don't no. think so, because a people this is it's way too early to tell a yes b um people have i think been avoiding it because everyone's been talking about how big the crowds would be so i think yeah. a lot of like people have just been like i'm just gonna wait until the crowds die down yeah and there's just and not like, as much to do right now so people are probably like preeti and i want to go to the one in, in disney world but we're not going to go until the hotel's open yeah, I I think that once all of that stuff like I agree that I was surprised at how few people were there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I was very surprised and I think it's like you said it's it's part of it where people like kind of talked themselves out of it. For sure, I think money is a big thing. Like it's very expensive yeah, to go to these all, parks. It's expensive to go to the parks and then if all there is to do there is spend money. Mhm. Mm, that's that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm excited to go one 
to, to I know we sound so like blah about I know, it. it no, was I think really it, fun. No, I think it's inter- <laughs> important to like set expectations and talk like honestly about this stuff though because um it is people do spend a lot of money to do these things and like if it's like oh I can spend a lot of money now or a lot of money in a year I mean maybe wait the year if you're the central thing you want to do is go to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. I would um, wait. And then, okay, one more piece of news. Um, Abhishek Singh, who is a graphic novelist. Well, he's an artist. He's written graphic novels. Um, but he has a new book coming out called Namaha. That's N-A-M-A-H-A. Um, and it's like this kind of illustrated stories. It's prose, but there's illustrations of the gods, Hindu gods and goddesses. And like his graphic novel, Krishna, is oh. like... I mean, it so is un- beautiful. It is one of my favorite. It is my probably my favorite graphic novel of all time. Like single, singular, not even just one of my. Like it is the one of the most beautiful things I've ever yes. seen. And so I just um, and I know he has spent like a decade on this book, um, and so it's a huge deal. We'll have a pre order link in the show notes. Um, and and I'm sorry, I think it's just going to be on Amazon because it's a very small publisher, and I think that's the only place that you can pre order it. So I know a lot of people don't like pre-ordering like ordering from amazon but i think that's all we've got right now so gonna put an amazon link um usually i try to do like an indie bound barnes and noble and amazon but not gonna happen in this case but anyway just the, we have no skin in this game just wanted to shout it out because it's gonna be beautiful i've already got like two copies pre-ordered so yeah um, and he's like an incredible creator so yeah. always want to support like it's just so pretty it is it is it's just so pretty um oh and, and we don't have this written down so i'm gonna surprise preeti but a big oh, okay. shout out a quick shout out to nisha sharma yeah so nisha was the first south asian to win uh arita. yeah arita which is the romance novelists um like their romance writers associations um awards so she won for her ya novel my so-called bollywood life yeah, which is super cute, and I recommend it. But anyway, I just wanted to shout out to Anisha because that's super exciting. It's so cute, and actually, one more thing, which is also not written down, Uh-oh. but another shout out to Sona Tripotra. Oh my god, yes! Right, she co-wrote a book with Daniel uh, Clayton called Tiny Pretty Things, and it got optioned for Netflix, and it's going to be a Netflix show next yes. year. And shout out to me. <laughs> Not really. But speaking of Sona, I did kind of like a profile of Sona and another uh, YA Asian rom-com author, Sarah Kun, over at Bustle. I'll put the link in the show notes. But there's a lot of really good like rom-com style stuff coming out um, featuring Asian characters right now. And I love it. And I hope it keeps going. It will keep going. So please buy these books. All right. That's it for news. Now for the main parts of the episode. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I, okay, here's a confession. I have not watched Far From Home because I have a baby and it is just Fair. going, getting to theater is just not a thing like that I, that is easy right now. But Preeti has told me basically the whole story. So we are going to have a Far From Home discussion even though I have not seen it. And it's basically <laughs> going to be true. mainly Preeti talking. Because I've seen it twice. Yes. <laughs> how was the press screening or like how was the because i've been to press screenings but I've never been to a, like a junket screening so the junket was interesting it's it's the first time i've ever jun- done one and it were was you just like, gonna say it's the first time i've ever junketed were you yep. gonna use it as a verb junketed uh no it's the first time i've ever done a junket and it was i literally was in london for like 48 hours it was the most stressful experience i think i've ever had in my life yeah 
Like they, so we got there, I got there on a Tuesday morning. I took a red eye out from, from, from America and landed, got sent to the wrong hotel. It was raining. The block, the wrong hotel on was on, was under construction. So I had to walk in the rain to try to find a cab to take me to the correct hotel. Then the room, the air conditioning was broken in the room they put me in. So I had to find a new hotel room. Finally made it to what what I thought was a dinner, but was not. It was drinks and appetizers. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be so hungry. <laughs> like, went to that, met, met a lot of, you know, other uh, the other journalists who were there. Um, and one of the people there was Ryan um, Penagos from yeah. Marvel, who is Agent M on Twitter. And he had already seen a version of the film, which, like, I read a version of the script to write the book, but the script I read was not complete. Like I read it three times bat last fall and like, I didn't know how Endgame ended. Like I didn't know any of that information. So I had it's some, basically idea. a lot of the Tony stuff was taken out. All the Tony stuff was yeah. taken out. You, when I read the script, you could not tell when the movie took place, mm-hmm. like where in the point of the MCU, the movie was placed um, because they stripped out all of that information. Uh, but Ryan had seen it and he was like, oh, just wait, just wait. He's like, there's two stingers. You're going to be thinking about them for a long time, which are the two post-credit sequences. Uh, and then so it was just it was a very small theater. We went in, we watched it, and I kind of spent the whole time like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the best. Yeah. And so it was fun because you were seeing it with people who were there to enjoy the movie. Yeah, that was my experience with uh, The Last Jedi. I went to the press screening for that one. And that moment, like, there was only, like, ten of us in this theater. And the moment when um, um, Admiral Haldo, like, like, rams the other ship. Yes, when it goes goes silent. And it goes silent. And then one guy was just like, holy shit. (laughs) And like, it was like perfect. Like it was like perfectly timed. And like, cause like that's what we were all thinking. And like, anyway, but yeah, it is really nice to see in this small, with a small, like a small group of people that um, kind of feel the same way you do about it. Yeah. Who like want to like it. Right. Like you're kind of there as like, yes, journalists, but also you're there as like, fans and nerds and and love like love for the property or whatever and so that was really cool and then of course the next day they were like okay now you're interviewing the cast and I was like whoa okay (laughs) yes if you haven't seen Preeti's interviews on sci-fi yet um you should head over there we'll link it we'll link it in the show notes uh but the movie itself okay so I did tell Sopna the whole story because I and the zingers which I am still thinking about even though I haven't even seen the movie so, I mean, this movie's been out now for a month, a little yeah, we'll over. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll do a spoiler alert for you all starting now um, in the show notes. So that way, if you want to skip, um, we'll have some timestamps for you. Yeah, because, like, at this point, I think the people kind of either know or have been, like, deliberately avoiding. But, you know, the whole thing is that Mysterio, who we all know is a villain. Mm-hmm is the villain. And mm-hmm. I, I have to say, like, watching Jake Gyllenhaal just chew the scenery in this movie, like, he had such a good time playing this character, and you could tell. Like, at first he comes in as 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 Quentin Beck and is this, like, 
stand in for Tony, right? Like he's there because Peter is feeling lost, feels like he needs a mentor. You know, he doesn't necessarily feel equipped to step into those shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Quentin is right there. And it you think that it, like, it's almost like you want it to feel off, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. Like, it feels very natural. The two of them, Tom Holland and Jake Hall, are, like, great on screen together. Um, but the moment that that veneer slips away when, you know, he, there's a scene in a bar where they're having a conversation after they after they've beat the like bad guys, which are these elemental things in Prague, um, where Peter Tony has given him these glasses that are like his his uh, Jarvis basically, but it's Edith, and through them Peter has control of like you know depth satellites and all this stuff that. Tony, what the hell? Yeah, why are you giving these to a teenager? But okay. To a 16-year-old. Yeah. Okay. And Peter, of course, is like, I'm not ready for this, but yeah. you are. And he get, he basically signs them over to Beck. And that second, as soon as Peter walks away, Beck is like, oh, hell yes, we did it. Because turns out he is a thwarted ex-employee of Tony Stark. And he's not, in fact, from another... Universe. Not from the multiverse, which does exist, but not in this movie. Like, it's not a part of the plot, really. Um, he and a bunch of other, like, thwarted ex-Stark employees from other movies, like Iron Man 2, or, like, whatever, come together to basically, like... It's like a meta-commentary on what the MCU has become. Like, Mysterio gets to pretend to be a hero by fighting villains he invented. Yeah. But because the world needs it. The world needs someone to look at and to look to. Because this is after Thanos. This is after the blip. This is after all of those things. And he takes advantage of that. Which is was really smart, I think, in the way it's written. Like, the only issues I have with this movie are super nitpicky ones. Because overall, it was really enjoyable. And then, like, the, big other, the other big stuff is at the end with the stingers. Yeah. So... Mysterio, after Peter beats him in what is truly an exciting battle sequence, right? Really fun to watch on screen. Really, like, the stakes felt real. uh, Tells the world that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. On, like, a big screen in Times Square. After the other zinger, which is that you get to see that, um, oh my god, J. Jonah Jameson. Why am I forgetting the actor's name? Oh, I... Just, I, I'm, I'm thinking. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Right? Simmons. Yeah. Reprising his role as J. Jonah Jameson from the Sam Raimi movies. Because who could play J. Jonah Jameson? Nobody. Nobody. So, like, that, it, it was, like, in such quick succession. It was, like, J.J.J. is back. And then everybody knows Peter is Spider-Man. Well, and then it credits. I was, like, there, there's, I feel like, a third zinger that I've been thinking about. And there's a third zinger. So, like, that happens, and your heart is, like, racing, and you're, like, what the hell? Like, oh, my God. And then the third zinger comes out that the entire time Nick Fury and Maria Hill, Samuel Jackson, and Colby Smulders have been actually, um, Skrulls the whole time. The whole movie, they were the Skrulls from Captain Marvel, and you find this out at the very, very end. And you have to think about, like, since Captain Marvel took place in the 90s, how many times has Fury done this already? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't, didn't you tell me he said something like, you know, it's, this isn't the first time we've done yeah, this or something? Yeah, it's something like that. You know, it's been, it's been an, about a month since I've seen the movie. But, like, says something like that. It's like, how many times have you done this? 
how does this impact the previous movies of the MCU now? And like, there's a theory now that the Nick Fury in Age of Ultron, because he's he was just different, is was a scroll. Yeah, and there's, you know, it's funny. There's a moment in the movie of in Spider-Man where. Fury is having a conversation with Happy towards the end. Happy is like super, um, what's the word, like confident. And the way Fury responds is kind of like, oh, okay. And in my head, I was like, that's really bad writing. Yeah, but it turns out, it was really good writing. (laughs) It was really good writing. (laughs) I do think that this movie has kind of changed, it's changed the MCU in a good way, I think. Like, not only in terms of story, but in terms of visualization. Like, the fight that Peter has with Mysterio, the first fight, is one of the coolest representations of Mysterio's garbage powers I've ever seen. Like, I don't like Mysterio as a villain in the comics. He just makes me mad. So to take that into the movies and to make it, like, it's truly terrifying so that at the end of that fight, Peter gets hit by a train. Mm-hmm. Like, he stumbles away from Mysterio inside of a, an illusion and stumbles out onto a train track and then gets hit by a train. And it's this, like, horrifying moment as an audience member that you're just like, I just had to watch this, like, adorable 16-year-old boy get hit by a train after going through, like, a traumatic, like, psych- psychic attack, basically. And it was, not psychic attack, but attack, a psychological attack. Yeah. And there's so much of this movie that I think was just really well executed Mm -hmm. but now for the nitpicky things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why i feel like what's missing from mcu spider-man is new york city as Mm -hmm. a character okay yeah that makes sense right like it was didn't play a big beyond like the fallout from the battle of new york it didn't play a big role in the first movie no and then in this movie it's not set in new york at all no the first time we see Peter Parker swinging from the um, uh, buildings in New York, in New York City, in Manhattan, not Queens, is it at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't see it in um, Homecoming mm-hmm. at all. And so to see it in this movie and then immediately to have that opportunity taken away because he gets his identity revealed, which, like, that's as much a Peter... Like, that's a, that's a Spider-Man thing, like... He doesn't tell people who he is. So I don't know. Even the I, people closest to him. Even the people closest to him, it, ta- it took decades for them to find out, mm-hmm. like after the introduction of the character. So I'm a little nervous about what this means for the future. Have they announced another Spider-Man movie yet? They have not. There okay. is going to be a third one. I think we can, it's safe to assume. Yeah. Um, they've not announced, because they haven't announced uh, Black Panther 2 either or Captain Marvel 2. Okay. So none of those, okay. none of those three films I were thought, out. I thought they announced Black Panther too, but I'm just like everything MCU is muddled in my mind right now. Yeah, I don't think they've officially announced it yet. Um, that might be something they're saving for D23. Yeah, for, for the Do three. Do we know of. what's coming out next year? Because I know there's like one or two films planned. Eternals is next on the docket, I think. Okay. But I think that might be. Yeah. Is that 2020? I think it's summer 2020, maybe. Okay, so I think it's Eternals. It's like 40 films. Like, who knows? I, like, I, that, this is part of the problem. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. They drop too much information at once, and so my brain shut down instead of no, like, like trying to like make sense of any of it. 
Uh, um, so I'm yeah, really curious as to like, because this is the first post. Oh, so this is the first post um, Endgame M- yeah. MCU movie. And the Endgame basically, you know, changed, like, it was a reset button for what we yes. know of the MCU. But yes. this, I don't think, I don't think this movie told us a lot in terms of where it's going to go because this movie was in so many, the way you describe it, in so many ways was a reaction to Endgame. Yes, like, it was very much is, grieving. Yeah, so this movie, it's like, it's like what comes next is kind we, of, the we, res- have, we don't know. We have no idea, and it, there's nothing. What I mean, tone they, it's going to take. What we yeah. know some of the characters because of these announcements, but we don't know. We don't know what the world's going to look like because there is a moment where, of course, you have to recognize where this exists, and so Spider-Man asks Fury or you know Skrull Fury, like, why can't someone else handle this? Like, he's like, "Where's Thor? Off-world. Where's blah blah blah? Like, can't do it. Like, where's Captain Marvel? And this should have been a clue, but it wasn't for me. But Fury is like, "Don't invoke her name." basically assuming she's also in space somewhere dealing with things. And so they have to deal with that, but at the same time, which lends itself to the isolation of of Spider-Man, but at the same time, it doesn't give us anything Yeah. in terms of the state of the superheroes of the world. I mean, it's safe to to assume that post-Endgame, like Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, all left. Yes. So, and then who's left, you know? Rhodey, (laughs) Ant-Man. Bucky. Bucky, uh, new cap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, and then, you know, and we do know that Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think that's going to be our first hint, actually, because, uh, yeah, that's premiering this fall, and it, we do know t- it takes place post Endgame. Yes. Yes. So that so is we'll see. going to be, and we will be, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that on here. Because I think we'll be both, sure, both, both subscribing. Gonna... Yeah, we're both subscribing. Definitely subscribing yeah. to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, they announced pricing. I don't know if any of you guys have heard, but they announced pricing for it, and they're a bundle of ESPN Plus, Hulu without Hulu with ads, and um, Disney, Disney Plus will be like thirteen twelve ninety nine, which is incredibly good pricing. I hope they That's... add. Hope they have add-ons for like if you want Hulu without ads. Like I would pay. Extra I know because I'm not I, gonna. I I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I can't no, go back. I can't. Yeah. But that being said, that's an incredibly good price, especially since you get three services and it still yep. comes in below Netflix pricing. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. There's so more to come on Marvel from us for sure. Yeah, after we'll definitely um talk about you know <laughs> the series and stuff, but I'm just I'm curious to see where it ends up like who knows it's it's it, we're in a new world of this mass storytelling where like marvel was kind of the first one to recognize what a what a shared universe could look like on screen yeah and you know in the comics they can reboot themselves through events through whatever and they kind of did that with the end game but it doesn't work not, as well yeah it's not a it's a, not a reboot though because right exactly the characters are still around you still have to account for them like you have to account for the continuity right and so why yeah so like where what what are they all doing like what there, there's and then you have the added complication in tv that you or in movies that in tv that you don't have in comics they have to pay these actors salaries yep so it's sometimes Lots the real reason is this person didn't want to come back because they were too expensive or yep. um too expensive is a relative term marvel didn't want to pay the money because god god knows it's disney they have the money there's nobody that's too expensive <laughs> um so yeah so it's all 
well, it's interesting. It's it, it I'm, is I'm, I'm excited about the prospect, but I'm also a little bit daunted because we knew that the MCU had become so comfortable. Like I knew not what to expect from the stories necessarily, but I knew the characters. I knew these. It's like you know, and now I'm like I don't know anything. Anymore. Yeah, now we it, and it's, it's it's a whole new kind yeah. of ball game. And like so, well, speaking of interesting storytelling we're gonna get to the next part of the show i think with veronica mars because veronica mars has an interesting if if you're not familiar with veronica mars because not everybody watched it it was a upn show that started back in like 2004 by the creator rob thomas not of matchbox Matchbox 20 um a different rob thomas and Kristen Bell's first foray into um, tele- like series television where she plays a teenage detective. It's a very noir show. It lasted three seasons because various things. The last season was a little hard to watch. Uh, and then in 2014, which was seven years later after the show got canceled, because the show doesn't have an ending. There's no closure. Show got canceled. Seven years later, they did a Kickstarter, and it was the most successful Kickstarter in history to do a movie. Yeah, and so they I did a fan. Uh, yeah, I contributed uh, because we loved people who watched Veronica Mars loved yeah. Veronica Mars. Yeah, and so they did the movie in 2014. It was like fine. It was, it was a fine. fine. It was very much a fan movie. service. Yeah, it was, it was for not us. like a like a rigorous right. storyline or anything. And then a, another five years later, they brought the all the cast back again to do a new season, what they're calling season four. Mm-hmm. So season four is 2019, which is 12 years after the third season. So it's just like, talk about like in-depth, in, yeah. in intensive storytelling yeah. that has lasted almost two decades. Yeah. And so you can watch season four on Hulu. You can also watch the first three seasons on Hulu. I think yep. they're all streaming now. So we are going to get into, we're both huge Veronica Mars fans, so we're going to get into season four. If you have not watched it, I'm going to put up a spoiler note right now um, so you can skip this section. Um, okay, so I think For we both thoughts. liked it. Yeah, yeah. We both liked it. I really loved it. Um, and there's one thing that both of us have something to say about, and I think if you've watched it, you probably know what that is. But I really liked, um, I I have very mixed feelings about the movie. I enjoyed it as like a nostalgia thing, but it didn't, the movie, there was no, it didn't seem, it almost didn't seem real. Like getting that many people back together. Like they brought back like almost every single person who had ever been on the first three, two, at least two seasons of of Veronica Mars. So like, it was just like one cameo after another one, like, and then the mystery, the central thing I really liked about the show was the mystery and the mystery was just not very interesting, I think. No, it was, the mystery was secondary to the kind of joy of seeing everybody back together on the screen. Well, it's a lot of fun to watch. Like, it's not something that like, I, you know, it's, it's a fun movie, but it's not super, um, and the mystery is like related to high school and like. And in that way, um, I really liked the season four because they kind of cut ties with the high school stuff. Like this isn't a, this isn't a teen drama anymore. This is like a real mystery series, and I really liked that aspect of it. Um, yeah, it felt like an adult series, yeah, rather than like revisiting this childhood nostalgic favorite. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed the additions. I enjoyed the mystery of it. I thought everyone kind of fell back into their roles really nicely. Like, different from who they had been, but you can see kind of the journey that they went on to get to where they became they got to basically yeah um i i liked basically all of it like i did enjoy the mystery a lot I like did. right i i thought Patton oswald was actually a really great addition to the cast mm-hmm. um i really and- liked the way also that Kristen bell veronica had she portrayed veronica so well like one of the frustrations for these, like, you know, continuation years later for me has been, like, Gilmore Girls is the perfect example where the characters don't change at all. Yes. And they're written the exact same way. And so, like, yep. after I watched the, I think, I think I, like, texted you after I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm worried that Veronica hasn't changed. And I think it's going to bug me. But then as I kept watching, like, no, she has changed and grown a lot. But the, her core, she's still the same, like, insecure. Yes. Like, she, there's a lot of the things about her that have changed, but she's also grown up. Yes. She hasn't changed in a lot of ways. Like, she's still fundamentally Veronica, and the same fundamental things are going to enrage her or are going to... She's going to have the same fundamental flaws because they're fundamental, Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean she hasn't changed or she can't recognize when she does, when she treats people badly or that she, you know. Yeah. There's, there's more, there's more guilt to her, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, and she's more willing to, like, there are scenes where she fights with Logan and then she reaches out, which she never yes, would have done. she never would have done. Like, and then when she's kid. wrong, even if she's wrong, like, she would never, she would have just, like, ignored him and, like, focused yeah. on the case. And there are times where she, like, reaches out to be like, I know I acted badly. Yeah. Which is great. And and it's fun. I mean, it's 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 fun and it's hard to watch the way she self-sabotages, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's always been the character. So that is something that and you know, Logan tells her like I've been going to therapy, like maybe we can go together and she is very against it. Mm-hmm. Like very very against it even though it's like clearly very needed. And it's clearly very needed and it has changed Logan so like he has yes. changed so much. Yeah, in a good way. Like, yeah, like he's he's somewhat stable. Like he's always going to have the like rage and the ghosts of his past. But he, this is a this is he's not a boy anymore. Like he's become like this like responsible adult. Yes, and it was fun to watch Jason Doring kind of fall back into this role as letting that anger simmer underneath. Mm-hmm. But still, something I've always loved about the character is Doring's delivery of him. Yeah. So these kind of like very quiet, caustic, like cutting remarks he'll make that are at times self-deprecating at times to like make the other person feel very kind of off kilter. And he brought that back with such like, like just like really, you could tell. So I, at San Diego Comic-Con, I had the good Oh my God, I forgot about this. Yeah. I know. Like this is kind of in it. So they, they dropped the episodes a week early. And everyone at Comic-Con, every journalist at Comic-Con was like, oh, my God, none of us can watch it. Mm-hmm. We're all busy and working. And we also can't stay off the Internet because it's our job. So, like, what the hell? So we go to uh, this event that the WB put on and the cast was there. Mm-hmm. And so I got to chat with, like, Jason Doring and and um Enrico Colatani and and all these people. Everyone was there basically except for Kristen Bell, which I would not have been able to keep it together. 
But it was interesting because they were talking to people. They were like, have you seen the show? And we had to be like, no, we haven't seen it. They're like, okay, stay off the internet. Don't watch it on your phone. They were like, but, you know, just, just watch it as soon as you can. And we're like, we know. And then somebody came over to speak to Jason. He's like, have you seen the show? And she said, yes. And he leaned over and whispered in her ear something. And now I think I know what it was. What do, you, what do you think it was? I think he was like, how are you doing after the end? Sorry, that was really ominous thunder. <laughs> like, that oh was really God. ominous thunder. <laughs> wow. What timing. Well, speaking of ominous thunder, so the the issue I think we both can talk about and had with it was the last 10 minutes of the last episode. So, okay. So if you, like, if you have been listening to this and you're like, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, please please just watch it and then come back. So basically, um, Logan dies. So I'm okay with it. And I'm really not okay with it. There's like, there, I have like so many layers of feelings about it. Um, as a storytelling device, I'm okay with it. But the reasons that were given by like Rob Thomas for doing it, I'm not okay with. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Like, I understand, like, wanting, like, like, I, I understand the idea of, like, she's not in high school anymore. Let's kind of cut the high school ties and, like, tell these new stories about Veronica. And I get it from that point of view. But I don't want to, I've read interviews with um, Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell, actually, where they're both, like, she can't, like, Veronica fundamentally, like, one of the things about her is she can't be happy. Which is nonsense. Like, and I'm like, but why does that fundamentally, why? There was so much potential because you saw it in their relationship. Just because they got married didn't mean their relationship was going to be fixed. No. Which is also a frustrating thing to think that, oh, all all she needed was a ring and now they're going to be happy. Like, there was potential for conflict within that marriage. Right. And there's potential for conflict in their relationship in well, a way I mean, like, that he's got he like leave like just like there's the, yeah the, his job is the conflict in their relationship like right he's gone for who knows how long for random stretches of time right. for like no notice just has to leave when he gets the call and God knows like having been married like we had our eleven year anniversary marriage anniversary last week it is work. Like, marriage is not, like, it's not, it is a lot of work. And with two people as damaged as both of them, and yes. one that refuses to go to therapy, um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of work that they're in for. And, like, I just don't like the idea that, like, she become the, and they didn't say this, they didn't say this specifically, neither Thomas nor Belle, but I don't like the idea that being in a stable, healthy relationship makes a person less interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually really hated it as a storytelling um, plot point too. Like I did not, I thought it was, it just took kind of the wind out of my sails a little bit where I was like, I don't know that if there's another season of Veronica Mars that I could go back to it. Because part of what I love about it, like, yes, I love the mystery. I love all of those things. I love Veronica. But I love Veronica and her relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the way she interacts with people that I have grown to know and recognize easily in her life, you know? So it was frustrating to me to take one of those key people away because now that's – she has lost – 
of the four of them, because there are four of them in the beginning. It's Lily, Duncan, Veronica, and Logan. She's lost all of them. None of them are there anymore, which, like, please never bring back Duncan. Oh like, my God. Okay, I don't can I just that. interrupt for a second to be like, <laughs> I laughed so hard in that last episode where Veronica, like, runs up to Jake Kane and is like, you can argue with me uh, or you yeah. could get these people out of here. And he really hesitates and looks like he just wants to stand there and argue like, with her because he hates her Jay so much. <laughs> I mean, he's a, like, I mean, Jake Kane is, like, the spawn of Satan. But at yeah. the same time, like, the fact that this show can make you be like, that guy has, like, I feel kind of bad for that guy. <laughs> like, after everything, Veronica like, Mars once again oh. ruined something for him. But it was, you know, I, it's no. just, it's it was frustrating for me because it felt a little bit like, well, of course this has to happen because she deserves this. And I don't. Yeah, I agree. And I don't. That, that puts a bad taste in my yeah, mouth. I don't I don't like the idea that like like because like I don't know. I just I just I don't like the reasons that like have been stated and that I suspect also like just kind of that happened. And um like I don't like I honestly don't like I love Veronica and Logan. I've always been team Logan. I don't hate the Same. idea of a series of a season five, like watching a season five and seeing kind of like her, like, I I don't hate that. But at the same time, like Veronica and Logan, like their story is epic. Like they have been the heart of this show for so long. And it's like, I don't know. Like, it's just, what will it be without him? I don't, I can't, it's hard to imagine what, because he's always been her safe place in a lot of ways yeah like who can meet her toe to toe in the way that he can that won't feel like a cheap imitation yeah yeah and i just can't fathom them being able to do that especially also because jason doring was such a joy to watch on screen right like um oh my other nitpicky thing about it is that they did not use Wallace nearly enough. No, and the back wasn't even in it. And I think it's because they, I I read something about like the part, it was, the part was very small. And so she was just like, no. Yeah. Which like, yikes. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, I think the thing that, that that it's clear what Rob Thomas wanted to do with this was like kind of close that chapter of Veronica's life. And the question is, do you agree with that? And I don't think I do. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know that I agree with it, but I don't love it. So I'm, I think I, I think I will reserve judgment until we, because I think it's pretty clear at this point there's going to be a season five. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't, think I don't it's know been if it's announced, but like they've been talking about it. I don't know that it's been like officially like announced or anything, but like I know like multiple people have been talking about it. So like, oh, this is what would happen in a season five. Blah blah blah. And I assume the way people have been talking about it that the show was season four was successful. So my guess is there will be one. So I think I reserve judgment on till I see what they do in season five. I'll let you watch it and yeah, tell me if I should fine. watch it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, all right, so I guess moving on because now we're we're almost an hour in, so we're yeah. gonna do the the rest of this real quick. Like, uh, so things we love right now slash over the last two months um i got very like i love timothy elephant i love timothy elephant for a long long time mm-hmm. but i watched all of justified i rewatched deadwood because i friggin love deadwood and the movie finally came out um and of course i love santa clarita diet but justified is incredible and i'm pretty sure that 
Oliphant's character on Justified is a direct descendant of his character on Deadwood because in both he plays U.S. Marshals with who who are very angry and grit de- like grit their teeth a lot and it's just handsomely gets angry all over the screen like I love it. Um, I really enjoyed the Deadwood movie. Like speaking of shows similarly to Veronica Mars, Kristen Bell was also on Deadwood. By the way, yeah, in the original run, she was on an episode. Um, but Deadwood was 2004 to 2006, I think it aired on HBO. Um, and similarly, like kind of unceremoniously was canceled through a random series of events. It was very expensive for them to make. Uh, and David Mitchum, I can't remember his, I always say David Mitchell, but that's the novelist. Um, but the creator of Deadwood kind of had a really bizarre way of working where he would literally write scenes on set and like call actors in to do them two minutes after they'd been written, like on a piece of paper. So it was a very expensive kind of like bizarre, chaotic show for HBO. And so it got canceled, but it was much beloved because it was like Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant and all these amazing actors, our favorite Brad Dorif. (laughs) Preeti's favorite. (laughs) Um, and then they announced last year they announced that there was going to be a movie so 12 years after the show got canceled we finally because deadwood is another movie that just end or another show that just ends what's this like what's the kind of premise of deadwood so the premise of deadwood is that it's uh gold mining era Mm -hmm. people heading west and deadwood north dakota one of the Dakotas, pretty sure, um, but not officially a part of the United States, uh, has is kind of sprung up and elsewhere. And this is all; these are all historical figures, like real historical figures. Um, Ian McShane plays Al Swearingen, who owns the saloon and is kind of like the mob boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Timothy Oliphant comes in and opens a hardwood store but is still kind of this angry lawman who who has a heart of gold and and all of these things and so it's a lot of drama but what people got from it or what drew people to it I think was the writing it's almost Shakespearean mm-hmm. in the diction and the way the actors deliver these very very foul-mouthed lines like it has some of the worst language I have ever heard in my life <laughs> like Really, the number of times you'll hear the C word in a single episode, you're like, oh, goodness. So, but despite that crude language, it's a really beautifully written show. Mm -hmm. And so when it was canceled, people were kind of, it was like a critical darling. Like, Mm -hmm. people loved it. And so when it was canceled, people were kind of like, what are you doing? And then it just went away. And there was no hope for a long time that we were ever going to find out how these people's stories ended. Uh, and so they came back and did this movie, which is very similar, I think, to the Veronica Mars movie in that, that was it was supposed to, the Veronica Mars movie is supposed to close the book. Like, yeah, it's it a happy ending. And it's uh, with Deadwood with the Deadwood movie, I could easily watch six more seasons of this show. Like mm-hmm. it took you right back into it. Same level of like language, same level of perfection and excellence, but very much for people who loved the show. Mm hmm. Like, very much for people who who had followed these characters for so long. Um, and so that was just really nice. I thought it was a really, like, it's like the summer of getting back things we love yeah, that taken from though. us prematurely, right? And that's really nice. Uh, and then really quickly, I'm watching Leverage right now because I love heists. 
mm-hmm. and I didn't know this was a heist show. Oh, I didn't know that was a heist show either. I thought it was a show about therapy. Yeah, that's the, I think that's what I thought too. Yeah, no, every episode is a mini heist. Oh, is this the same I, characters? Yeah. Like different? Oh. No, oh. no, it's a crew that does heists to help people. Oh, hey. I know. Maybe it's I'll watch really, it. It's really, really fun. It's oh. on, like, you can watch it for free on, like, IMDb TV or Vudu with ads, but it's, like, one ad or whatever. It's fine. Um, but, no, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, like, uh, in the third season. Cool. So, yeah, that's what I'm into. Um, because I am apparently one note this episode. <laughs> I am currently rewatching Star Trek Enterprise. And I am and surprised at how much I enjoy in it. Um, Star Trek Enterprise, people will talk about, like, Deep Space Nine as the quote-unquote black sheep of the Star Trek franchise. And when they say that, they forget that Enterprise even existed. <laughs> that's how, that's how like, unloved by the fans this show was. But it's actually... <laughs> It's it's so it it's set back before the fir- before the original series in terms of timeline, um, but um and before Discovery too like in terms of like the overall Star Trek timeline. But um, it's basically the story the story of like the first long distance like missions of um under like and Scott Bakula plays the captain. Um, it's good. It's not great. It has some great episodes, some great characters. Um. Some great episodes. There's a lot of just, like, there's, oh my god, I stopped watching for, like, two weeks because there's this one episode that was, like, the entire episode, Scott Bakula is just, is about Scott Bakula talking about his sexual frustration with, um... Oh my god. Like, like, a sexual frustration with regards to T'Pol, the really hot, like, Vulcan woman. And I'm like, have you, like, and so, and, like, the doctor's, like, advising him, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think this is... I mean, I'm just guessing, but I think this is kind of a one-sided problem. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and like she's like, it's just, it was just like really like. There's a lot of sexism, and this this um this era of Star Trek, the late, the kind of late Voyager, um, and then the um, Enterprise. It was actually the worst in some ways about the sexism of the franchise because of, and it's like in the early two thousand. This is the early. Mid two thousands, because okay. they just they were losing viewers, so they decided to sex everything up. Ew. And in the case of Voyager, that worked really well because, despite the fact that Jerry Ryan wears like super tight fitting clothes that I'm sure they had to like sew her into because they're so form fitting, it gave us some of the best like female mentorship on TV between like Janeway's character and Seven of Nine, like the exploration of humanity, like Seven goes through. Mm-hmm. Like they gave the character a lot of depth. Um, it doesn't work as well on Enterprise. Uh, you go from a show like Voyager that had three major female characters to the back. To, and then like from Deep Space Nine, which, you know, the, it's not gr- like it had two, but they were very strong to three and Voyager back to two. And I'm only into the second season because like I watched the show all the way through once and then never again, like when it was airing and then never again. <laughs> So, but it's better than I remember. There's a lot of, there's a lot of episodes that are just like, but it's a lot easier when you can just like be like, okay, next episode, like that one was bad, next episode, and then it's something better. So I'm actually really um, surprisingly enjoying it. And then I'm enjoying the podcast, The Ninth Rule, or The Seventh Rule. I think it's The Seventh Rule, it's not The Ninth Rule. It's The Seventh Rule of Acquisition. Um, 
which is a podcast by Ciroc Lofton and Aaron Eisenberg, two Star Trek D Space Nine actors, and they're rewatching Star Trek D Space Nine for the first time. Ooh. So they're in the first season. So if you are a fan of DS9 and you have been thinking of doing a rewatch like I had, like I'm now doing a rewatch like one episode a week and then listening to the podcast. And they're only like 10 episodes or 15 episodes in. So it's like not that hard to like watch and then get caught up versus if they're like four seasons in. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It's called The Seventh Rule. Um, it's actually like a radio show that they're releasing as a podcast. But the podcast is kind of a mess, so if you're interested, I just recommend actually, like, the release schedule is kind of a mess, so I just recommend, like, subscribing to their Patreon, because then you just get it, you know, you get it in a more orderly fashion. But anyway, um, I can put the link to their Patreon on the show notes. But anyways, either the things, because I am one note, I am enjoying all things Star Trek right now. All things Star Trek. This is about what we love, so there is no judgment. Yes. Um, I think that's That's it it. for us, though, so... You know, as usual, we are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. And today we want to shout out the podcast, The Middle Geeks, whose latest episode is talking about the show Rami and Navigating Identity. Yes. And Suara, who is one of the co-hosts, is a friend of the podcast. And yes. so you should definitely listen. Um, Patreon. Thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level. And Sylvia, Martha, Brandy, Rahul, Jordan, Annie, Claire, Brian, Robert, Maya, Gayatri, and the Knot family at the $5 level. You can find us on Twitter at Desi Geek Girls, and I am at Run With Skizzers. I am at S. Krishna. Uh, please also rate us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, pretty sh- Maybe it helps people find the know. show. I don't Who know. knows? We just tell people because everybody else does, and we don't want to feel left out. Basically. Uh, but until next time. I'll see you in hell. You didn't say it. Why? Why don't you say it? <laughs> I like hearing you say it. (laughs) 